Hello and welcome to the Travelling Ergonomist podcast. I'm your host, Kirsty Angra, and my job as an ergonomics consultant is to educate people on how to get their bodies into neutral postures. And in today's professional world, with the prominence of agile and remote working, ergonomics is more important than ever. So sit back, relax, and let's navigate the workplace together. part two of my conversation with Tim Allen, a corporate real estate professional. I definitely go and check out the first part of our conversation before listening to this episode so that everything starts to make sense. In this episode, we talk about the big no-nos when it comes to workplace change and how just by opening up a space doesn't necessarily mean that people are naturally going to start communicating. Think about people sitting on the tube in London next to each other. You definitely get funny looks if you started talking to the person next to you. We also talk about real estate budgets and how we might be able to utilise a portion of the project budget for a later date. Tune in to hear why. I think the, the, the real no-nos are, and we're going to state obvious stuff now, um, don't do it if you don't know what you're trying to achieve. Um, don't do it if you haven't got a, a, a clear sense of the, the strategy behind it. Um, don't do it if you're not going to engage with people through the process. Uh, don't do it if you assume that you're going to engender cultural change simply from a shift in how the workspace is designed. Um, and, you know, that one just goes back to a conversation I had years ago with somebody where uh, it was a senior person and they said to me, well, look, one of the reasons why I want to have a more uh, open space in the office is because uh, if we have people sitting next to each other without walls, then they'll talk with each other. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Um, so the expectation is by putting people together in an open space, um, they'll be having more conversations. He said, yeah, absolutely. I said, well, that's, that's interesting. Um, you know, do you travel in uh, by public transport uh, in the morning to, to the office? This is London-based yeah. uh, organisation. And the person said, yes, I, I do. I said, okay, so you travel in by, by tube or bus? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, those are, are nice examples of, a, of an open space. When you sit next to somebody on the bus or the tube, do you strike up a conversation with them? And, of course, uh, I just got the strangest of looks of, you know, <laughs> one earth would I do that? Uh, of course, classic London, why would I do that? Um, and I think at that point the penny dropped. And I said, well, that, that's the point, isn't it? Just because we create an open space where people are sitting next to each other and, in that sense, we're forced to sit next to each other, we don't necessarily interact just as a, as a matter of course. Uh, and that's why it's so important to have these, um, I hesitate in calling them programs of change because that makes it sound like there's a beginning and an end. Uh, and really, I think these days there's more of an acceptance that it's an ongoing journey of change. Um, but often, of course, the, the, the main programs revolve around a, a real estate program. Uh, but just a sense of how do we engage people to encourage them to think about using the space differently. Um, so as we always know, you can't simply throw people into a space and expect them to react in the way that you think they should. Um, oh, I, I absolutely agree. I think just changing the environment that you work in is not good enough in quite. this age. It's not good enough. And often when I'm walking into businesses that are brand, you know, very newly designed, they, they look great and they are functioning great and people are happy. But is that the same reaction that you get six, 12 months down the line? And sometimes it's not sometimes I do walk into a business 12 months down the line and it isn't quite working because we've just designed an environment 
versus designed a culture? Yes. Well, of course, you raise a very interesting issue there, um, or, or two things. Firstly, whenever we design the environment, it's always going to evolve. It has to. Uh, and the biggest issue, again, with uh, the way that we often think of real estate programs is they do have a beginning and an end point. And almost we should never see the end point. They should always be tinkered with and refined um, because the organizational needs and requirements are always refining and changing. So there shouldn't really be an end date. But the problem is with the capital program, which has capital investment, which is signed off, uh, is that that is a moment in time. So we need to switch around the way that organizations think about how they use their space and uh, where the capital investment programs, how they're aligned and how they get signed off and what have you. So that's a big thing. And then the second part, of course, is that cultural aspect. Uh, And I come back to it. Spaces do help with it. Space doesn't drive out a a culture. but yes, understanding you know, how do you want to engage with people? How do you want them to feel about the organization interacting with each other? Um, as we said at the outset of this, that's still the most important aspect, which sort of goes beyond uh, the space. So I think also when we think about workplace uh, more and more, I think, well, actually, this is where line managers need to be more involved because this is around how we encourage people to behave. Uh, and that's often at a line manager level, certainly even a peer-to-peer level. So when we think about organizational change and workplace culture, it, it, it almost comes back down to that individual level. How do we encourage people to, um, to behave? I suppose it, it, it ought to be as simple as, you know, uh, treat others as you wish to be treated, which yeah. sounds incredibly trite, but actually is enormously powerful. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no truer statement, really. <laughs> So I, th- I think with the last chunk of programs, it's a, it's a, we need to start thinking through how do, we, how do we encourage the organization to be thinking more around generating the ability within staff to be more change ready, to embrace change more frequently, uh, and to feel that they own and are responsible for that. One of the last programs I was involved with uh, on my team, I, I deliberately drew an um, organizational change specialist as opposed to somebody who knows uh, about workplace at the time, although a great uh, workplace advocate now having run through the program. And uh, his view was very much around how, how do we, u- using the great workplace change, so we have a moment here to encourage people to think about how they work and what that means, but using that as a catalyst for driving a broader sense over you know, how do we want to work in this organization? What is the culture that we want to have? How do we want to treat each other? How do we want to interact? What does that mean? And how do we want to see that evolve over time? And for me, that's, if you like, a, the sort of almost the next step in how we think about workplace change programs. I've, I've always advocated for the fact that a workplace change is a great catalyst for wider organizational change um, and still believe that as strongly as ever. And I think now that organizations are almost caught up with you know, the, the training that you need to be able to work in the space, we need to be pushing continually beyond that. And yes, that's great. But let's use this as a, as a, as a moment to drive more momentum and enthusiasm for how do we keep that conversation going around how do we work together and what does that mean? Because otherwise, it's a very it's a nebulous conversation, isn't it? When you start, if you were to start having conversations with somebody around you know, culture, it's difficult to know how do you start that conversation and ground it <laughs> in something meaningful. Whereas if you use the, the workplace change as a, 
you know, a hook on which to, to hang the start of the conversation and then broaden it out to much within bounds. It's, it's a much easier way of approaching that broader conversation. And that for me is where I'd love to see yet still more effort placed by an organization. How do we really make the most of using this big program where we are engaging with people to talk about even bigger things for what the organization can be achieving if we you know, if we really did have everybody working well together, understanding what each of us does and how what we do, what role that has to play in in, in the, the broader spectrum of what the, the organization delivers. You know, these are big conversations, but you can use workplace change programs as a great way of starting that conversation and helping people to to continue those long after they've moved into the new space. But that's, that's tough, and that takes a lot of effort and drive and energy and enthusiasm. And it's one of the things that I've, I've known over time is that it, often these days I'll say at the outset of a, you know, if it's a longer program, the senior sponsor will say, you know, what's the, the, the sort of biggest thing from your perspective? And I think, well, look, this is going to take a lot of time and effort and energy and enthusiasm, um, and, you know, you, you can't underestimate that. And then often by the time we get to the end of the program, the same senior people will turn around and say, gosh, I wish you'd really emphasize that bit around how much energy and time and enthusiasm, <laughs> you know, it takes thinking, well, you know, there's only so much I can do at the outset, but that's, that's really what it comes down to. It, it, it takes a lot through these programs. And of course, that's on top of the day job. Yes. You know, organizations still have to work. You still have to do whatever it is that you're doing and do it well, whilst all this other stuff is going on in the background. That takes a lot of time and thought and energy, and it's yeah, it is a lot to take on. Oh, you're absolutely right. It's very similar to when I build ergonomics programs or I'm conducting assessments. If someone's in pain or has been suffering from some kind of discomfort, they just automatically assume that with a few changes that their pain is going to be fixed in that moment. Hmm. When in fact, yes, what I'm going to do is educate you on how to put your body into a better position in relation to your environment. But you've been sat in this other way for the last 10, 15, 20 years. So it's not going to take one hour to kind of revoke all of that and get back to a great state of well-being again. It's going to take a few months to get you back working correctly. Um, and it's the same with workplace change. It takes it's exactly time. the same. It, it's that. It's effort. It's continued effort. We we know that for any change we want to make in our lives, no matter what it is, in order for it to become the new normal, uh, we have to build it back into our routine. That takes a lot of effort to begin with. It's a lot of mental effort and strain yeah. because we have to actively think about it. It's no longer part of the subconscious that we do automatically. When it moves into that active element, that's mentally very tiring. Uh, not something that we necessarily want to be doing a lot. So we have to really want to do it. You know, you know that as well as I do. Um, and you must come across that a lot, particularly where people are seeing, actually, if I did this, it would make a, a, a big change to, particularly if it's around that pain management or how I'm operating in this space. You know, do, do you ever get the chance to be able to go back and, and see people a couple of months later and see if they've actually had the chance to to follow it through? That's Yeah, you, that's actually such an interesting point that you make certainly my, when I'm ever in front of clients I initially say to them you know it's all well and good doing this assessment now and implementing these solutions but if you don't have a program in place that allows me to come back six to eight weeks down the line how can we really know if it's worked or not mm. we can't possibly so you have to have a sense of measurement it does how often do you get the chance to come back 
and discover whether those changes have been accepted and people are working a different way. It really depends on how good the client is and how invested the client is in their people. And in terms of a kind of percentage aspect, how many, what's the percentage do you think of clients that do think of that longer term? Oh, very low, very low. Mm. I think it's, it, yeah, it's very similar within the, the broader perspective of workplace because uh, I come back to it, a lot of these programs are built around capital infrastructure projects and programs which have a, an end date. And then once that fund has been used by that end date, what's the funding that's going to enable, whether it's around individuals or a broader perspective on the workplace, to come back and understand, well, did we really achieve what we set out to achieve? Because in the same way as an individual, for an organization, you won't really see benefits for, well, certainly three months, more likely six, nine, 12 months or longer to see some organizational benefits actually taking place. Who really thinks about having a budget in place to enable that evaluation to take place? Not you're, many organizations. No, you're absolutely right. I think an organization will take that that pot of money that they have and expect to use a hundred percent of it in that first contact of workplace change, when in fact they should probably only use 70% of it for the initial workplace change and use the, the rest yeah. of it for like you say, measurement or just coming back and seeing if, if what they did worked. Well, there we go. Maybe that's, um, that's something that we should try and uh, broaden the conversation out with uh, people in the industry. Although I think it's a widely accepted one in the industry, but trying to get uh, to help clients understand how, how do we encourage people to either retain a portion of that initial project budget or set something aside for a little bit later on to truly understand whether those benefits have been attained. I think that's a really interesting aspect of we should, we should be spending more time encouraging organizations to just think about having that budget later on for those uh, evaluations um, because that not only helps them understand uh, what's been achieved, but if we could build up a body of information uh, across organizations, you'd then be able to share that knowledge and understanding that would then, of course, have an input to what are we doing upfront? And maybe there are um, elements that we can change up front that would help for the longer term benefits exactly uh, so gosh that's a that's a good one to, to try and uh, work our way through into the future absolutely no i think that's the probably the perfect way to park this conversation <laughs> I, i'm not going to say end because it's just parked until a future podcast where we take hold of that conversation and move forward with it i look forward to it thank you so much tim that was fantastic you're very welcome, Kirsty. It was uh, great to have the conversation with you.